0: Time to play the game! <laughs> it's all about the game and how you play it. All about control and if you can take it. All about your skin and if you can play it. It's all about make it I am the game you don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy get no way you can pay me I am the pain and I know you can't take me look over your shoulder ready to run like a cleanest from a smoking gun I am the
1: game and I may do so move on Bam. What's going on? How do you do? Welcome into the first podcast episode of twenty twenty-two. That is right, I said, podcast episode. Obviously, we've been taking a lot of the content from YouTube, throwing it on the podcast feed, but we really haven't done a true podcast episode for what feels like way too long. I don't even remember the last time we, we sat down to do an actual just dedicated podcast show, Kev. But it's something that we have truly been missing doing, you know, with YouTube, we're constantly worried about getting it done as quick as we can. We're not having a lot of back and forth. And that's really what the the sense that we got from you guys with growing the the podcast and the show and everything is that the, the back and forth and the banter and the arguments and everything else is something that you know you guys really enjoyed. And that's kind of what we want to get back to as well. So we're definitely gonna be doing more just true podcast episodes coming up this year that is a uh, definitely a goal in a new year's resolution of ours. Kev, I know you're you're a little under the weather buddy, but other than that, how you doing? How's twenty twenty-two treating you so far?
2: Not bad. Not bad. I cannot complain. Had a decent uh DraftKings weekend for the Wild Card round. Uh could have been epic, but uh a few uh few few different decisions, but other than that, it it was uh it was a good weekend of football and uh, you know just uh you know uh 2022 has got to be our biggest year yet so
1: now i didn't uh didn't have you prepare anything before the show so i'm going to go first to give you some time to think uh just is there anything on your mind that you're uh kind of obsessed with right now or something that you're you're really into and the reason why i'm thinking about this is because there's been a song that i cannot stop playing for like the past like two or three days and i first actually heard it on TikTok of all places. But now it is on a commercial and I think it's for uh like the Microsoft like tablets, like the surface tablets or something. And it's that don't lose sight song. I, I can't remember the name of the band, but if you just YouTube, don't lose sight, it's like a, i think I'm pretty sure it's a brother and a sister. It's just super catchy. And it's a song that I've literally been playing four, five, six times a day for the past like two or three days. And I just I can't get it out of my head. So that's been that's been the thing that's just been, like, consuming my day. And, like, I walk around, like, humming it and shit in my head. But uh, is, there, is there anything, like, any shows? I know that, uh, you know, you're, you're a big show guy. Any Shows, music, food, anything like that. Uh, Aria, the daughter, anything. What you got?
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: Uh, you know, uh, just finished watching, uh, Yellowstone, uh, season just wrapped up uh, a couple weeks ago. Sad to see it go, but, uh, should be back again, you know, in 2022, but, uh, finished watching that. Ozark should be coming here, uh, the next, I think actually Friday, I think actually, yeah. Not Friday, a new season of Ozark drops. Uh, it'll be the first half of the the last season of Ozark. Uh, sad to see that go, uh, that show. There's got a lot of shows wrapping up this year, actually, because also, the Last Kingdom, if you're familiar with that, that's also on Netflix. That this that will be the last season for this show this year, and then we got a uh, new season of Game of Thrones. I think it's uh, uh, the I House that of the was Dragon. Over. It's a it's a spinoff. It's a prequel uh, to it. Um, spinoff show that's been in production for the last couple of years, The House of the Dragon. Uh, so looking forward to that too. Hopefully uh, they do a much better job this time in the way they finish it the last time because there were a lot of people that were real upset about that, but. That's pretty much it, you know. Uh, you know, I got baseball coming back. I coach my son's uh, baseball team, Eleven U. So we started winter workouts uh, a couple weeks ago, and our first tournaments less than two months away. So uh, we'll be grinding on that.
1: <laughs> Super off topic, and then we can dive into dive into the meat and taters of this. But whenever you said winter workouts for baseball the The thing that immediately immediately came to my head, I was also doing those back back in the day, and one of my last memories of doing it, we were, we were wrapping up practice. I think it was probably during playoffs or something because me and one of my other buddies were having one of the coaches, you know, toss us kind of pop flies in the air, and we were running and catching them over our shoulders like a, like a football catch. Right, <laughs> I get one, goes through my hands somehow hits it's my testicles, right? Dude, the next day I ended up going to the hospital because it was so sore to the touch. I went up and ended up getting like a sonogram ultrasound just, just on it because I, I thought like something like ruptured, like I couldn't walk right. ended up just being like, a, I guess I just had like a bruised nut for, for lack of a better term, but uh, yeah, you you said the the winter workouts for like I was around that age as well, and it was just, it was super like super painful. That's uh that, that, that is my that's fond memory. Beautiful.
2: That's yeah, my that's, fond that's, memory. That, that's that's uh, not a, a a good memory to have. hurt the old boys and you know the old boys the jewels?
1: And the and and the other one was I was standing in line for one of the drills and picking my picking my nose. <laughs> Kid comes by, elbows me, shoves my finger up into my nose. I had a bloody nose. Maybe I just maybe that's why I stopped playing sports. Now, now that I'm thinking about it,
2: yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have any stories like that. Uh, you know, uh, I played baseball through high school, but yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's 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 rough. That's that is uh, definitely rough.
1: Let's get into the let's get into the show man. We uh we're going to kind of do a 2021 recap, but obviously we uh we just had the first week of the playoffs wrap up. So I just want to go over some of these players that have been getting a little bit a little bit of buzz uh you know over on the timeline on Twitter just to get some, you know, some thoughts and takeaways from the first week and anything that's standing out for us and anything we can apply looking at 2022. First of all, let's start off on a good note. Your boy, my boy, someone we love going into this year, Cam Akers, man. Uh, looking good. We we just did the the way-too-early look at running back rankings. I had Acres a little bit lower. I think I'm at like 18 or so. You were higher on him. Did anything change from you after seeing him in that game? Um, for only averaging three yards per touch in that game, I was really encouraged by it, but I wanted to get your thoughts.
2: Yeah, he looked super explosive. I mean, it's – and it's just a testament. I mean, it, it's shocking that, you know, we're, what, five, six months removed from a blown Achilles. You know, that's that was an injury a lot of people talk about that, you know, running backs just don't come back from. And, you know, I think now, you know, with better – with it, it, but it's also not an injury that we've seen a lot of, like, stars get, right? Right. Like, we, we've had a bunch of, like, you know, players that were probably, like, practice squad or, you know, low end of the depth chart guys. And so – um, this was kind of the first guy that really had that, like, you know, had that, that cachet, and to see him come back. I mean, and, and medicine has come a long way since what Mikel was which was like 2011, 2012. So, uh, you know, I, I was always holding out hope, but, you know, seeing him in, in his first real, you know, not first game actually, cause obviously he played week 18, but you know, really giving him an extended workload. I mean, he looked explosive. I mean, I would honestly say that he looked better you know, uh, coming back from this injury, then, you know, then what he did prior to that, which is crazy. But I think this is actually great news for cam makers. And as long as he has no setbacks, he has no issues throughout the rest of the playoffs. I mean, he's a guy that's locked in to me now as, as a borderline RB one, just like I loved him last year, because I mean, th- this coaching staff loves cam makers, loves cam makers. And we, Sony Michelle will be gone. Daryl Henderson will be in his final year of his deal. And I'm sure Daryl Henderson will have some sort of a role, but it's not going to be the lead back. Um, Anybody who believes that is ridiculous. This will be Cam Akers' backfield once again, and just really good to see him back and how well he played.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I kind of had the, I kind of had similar thoughts. Uh, probably gonna end up, you know, like you said, as long as everything goes well, he's probably gonna end up in that RB ten to RB fourteen ish range. Um, and he, you know, like like I said, he only averaged about three yards per touch he had 18 touches, 19 total opportunities. But he also had two uh, plays that were called back that were like 15-ish yard kind of plays as well. And that one, the the pass that he caught on the left side of the field that got caught back when he just absolutely put that defender on the ground with that cut that he made, it was, it was really good to see him make some of those cuts and change the direction, like you said, having that burst and everything back. So love seeing that from Makers. Next guy I just want to touch on quickly, uh, Odell Beckham. Just someone I want to throw out there because a lot of people were saying that he was dead, didn't have it anymore, he was dust. Turns out he just needs a competent, non-dysfunctional offense, and he can still look Odell Beckham-esque. You know, that, that touchdown catch he had, he had, a couple other big plays and long gains. So he's someone I'm very curious to see where he ends up going into next year because I, I think even, unless he just goes through and just starts like tearing up, the playoffs i still think he's going to be a solid value once 2022 drafts come around um somebody that we were lower on in our rankings both of us i was lower on him than you were in our our way too early look anyway was ezekiel elliott i think you had him in the late teens i might have had him in like the early 20s ended up coming out after their season was ended on sunday and said that he was playing through a torn pcl now, does this change anything for you in terms of how you are viewing him going forward, which explains a lot with how slow and sluggish he was looking, how he never really got on track? You Because know, at the beginning of the year, he was looking pretty good, and then that all kind of fell through. Um, do you think you'll be moving him up at all, or do you think you're still going to have him down here as a mid-to-late RB2 going into next year, assuming that he comes back and is fully healthy?
2: No, I don't think it's really going to change. I mean, you're looking at a running back that has a massive workload on him. And, I mean, he is going to be turning 27 by the time that, you know, next year rolls around. And somebody that has his kind of mileage, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he has been, uh, you know, obviously he's a really tough guy to be able to, um, uh, to be able to withstand some of the stuff that he's been able to play through. I mean, that's always kind of been his calling card is he's always healthy. But, you know, He really, you know, to me, it's more of a, uh, he's just going to continue to decline. We have two straight years now of less than 15 fantasy points per game that he's averaged. Um, Has it, uh, you know, he barely crested a thousand rushing yards this year and that was only because they played an extra game. Um, But I I think the days of like super explosive uh, Zeke Lely are probably done. And, I, I just I, I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, heading into 2022, I really don't care what they do. He was already playing behind one of the best offensive lines be- uh, you know in the league, and uh, I it's just I just don't really care. Like I, I think that he's fine. I think Tony Pollard is not going away, obviously, and they're really going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do moving forward because both Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, uh, Tony Pollard will be a free agent after 2022, and Zeke Elliott will definitely be cut. After 2022, because that's what after 2022 is when Zeke Elliott's contract uh, becomes very easily to uh, to move maneuver off of. Because I believe this year it's like a 30 million dollar dead cap, so there's no way they're moving off from this year. But after that, after I think after that, it's like an 8 million dollar dead cap, and they'll they'll, they'll move on from them after that.
1: Yeah, the last thing I want to say is just to see a game end in the fashion of that game ended. It that's brutal. Man, like I, like the referee has to touch the ball. Like, I, I don't, what I don't get, and something I've never understood for the past couple of years, is why does the NFL not have the college rule where the clock stops until the chains are set after a first down? Like, I really don't understand that. The amount of time that's wasted from, you know, plays like that, or even just regular first downs, you know what I mean? Like, if it's second and one, just to change, you know, you know to move the change and everything like that. Like, that's, it's brutal. I know, uh, I think it was Tony Dungy tweeted something out about, you know, the, all the penalties they had and the drop passes and how kind of just inept their offense was early on, having much more to do with the outcome of that game versus the last, you know, 10 seconds or anything. But still, just to see a game end in that manner for the playoffs and everything else, um, just that's it's, – it's brutal to see that.
2: Yeah, but it's something we've seen from this team for I – mean, going back to you when they had Tony Romo. I mean, it's just a consistent – I mean, this is what this team is. This team gets in the playoffs and then just just nose dives. Uh, you know, every single year the same thing. I mean, Dak Prescott has the same playoff record right now as Tony Romo that Tony Romo had, whatever you know. At this point, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. And this team has way too much talent to be as bad as what it's been through the playoffs. And it's just it was it's embarrassing. They really uh, you know had to you know their offense with the weapons that they have and the the defense that, that has been much better. Uh, just kind of craters every year once you get to the playoffs. You have no faith in them whatsoever that they're going to be able to figure it out. And, you know, it's probably controversial, but, I mean, I think there's, you know, something to be said about Dak too. I mean, I'm not saying that Dak is a bad quarterback or anything like that, but, uh, you know, he, he's not in the conversation with the elite tier of quarterback like Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen um, and quarterbacks like that. Like, he's not in that conversation with those guys. I think he is a tier below them. Um, at least until further notice, until he proves otherwise. Now, that's that's not a fantasy take. That's more of a, you know, real-life, you know, NFL football take. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not that, like, yeah, not that Dak had a bad year, 4,500 passing yards, 37, ta- uh, 37 passing touchdowns. You know, not obviously not a terrible year whatsoever, but we just continue to see this team sort of crumble uh, when it gets to the playoffs, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the games going into where I was just like, I, like, I don't know what to do with this game for, for a lot of the things, like you said, like I wasn't, I wasn't a real believer in the 49ers, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. And that's, you know, it's kind of what we saw. So yeah, just, just brutal to see any, any team, any game and like that, especially in the playoffs, but let's go ahead. Let's put a, 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 let's go ahead and wrap a bow around the 2021 fantasy And we're just going to take a look back kind of talk about what we got right what we got wrong any kind of lessons that we're going to take along with us into 2022 so let's start off with the negatives kev what did you get wrong this year where did it go wrong for you what were some of the calls you made that ended up uh not being the way that you thought it was going to play out
2: well, let's start with the running back position and we're going to start with my guy, Saquon Barkley. Um, uh, I had him at RB three, obviously that is not the way that this planned out. Uh, he finished his RB 31. He doesn't, he did miss four games due to an ankle sprain, but let's be honest, that really wasn't the only problem. Um, he did have three RB one weeks and two RB two weeks. Uh, but he also had four RB three weeks and four, uh, weeks of RB four and beyond and where he's basically, uh, Not usable whatsoever, but I mean, there was a lot of factors here that played into this. Um, He had an absolutely dreadful offensive line. PFF ranked him thirtieth out of thirty-two teams. The only bright spot they possibly have is Andrew Thomas, um, who only allowed nineteen pressures on a total of five hundred seventeen pass block snaps. Uh, And uh, fun fact: he uh, Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle, had more touchdowns than Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney combined. (laughs) So. Um, if uh that does anything for you, but this offense was just truly dreadful. I mean, not and not that Daniel Jones was great before Daniel Jones got hurt, but I mean you just saw with Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm that you know they were pretty much fucked. The offense couldn't do a damn thing. And again, not that Daniel Jones was great because Daniel Jones wasn't great, but Uh, At the same time, like, the offense is absolutely cratered without uh, Daniel Jones. And the hard part is for this team is I don't know how they get better in 2022 because their cap space for a team is as bad as they are. is like $2 million. So, obviously, there's some things they can do to create some cap space. That's crazy to me to think about when you think about the fact you have Daniel Jones on a rookie contract. Like, that's not the way this should work. Like, you should have all this cap to be surrounding your, your rookie uh, quarterback with and maximizing that, that that rookie contract window. And you're not even able to do that because Dave Gettleman is a moron and should not be in charge of any team, which thankfully he retired. They allowed him to give the old, he's retiring, even though they were going to fire his ass, um, you know, and it's good. They actually, you know, looked like there for a minute, they weren't going to fire Joe judge. And then they finally, it looks like yeah. they, you know, got smart and fired him. But this team's going to have to make a lot of changes you know, for this year. I mean, Kenny Galladay was a complete bust, did absolutely nothing. That was their big free agent move. They, that that didn't work out. And they're going to have to improve this offensive line drastically because, like I said, yeah. outside of Andrew Thomas, who took a big leap, second-year leap in, in year two, they don't really have anything else. And so uh, there's been a lot of cut talk this offseason about uh, – and they're going to continue to be – about possibly trading Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, to a team because he they, they picked up his fifth year option, but they can save eight million against the cap by 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 trading him, and so I think it's really possible that, that you end up maybe making that happen. I think you probably maybe a, a you know a day two late day two pick or something like that. Uh, I think that could get the job done for Saquon because. You know, Saquon Barkley's not young, but he or he's not, oh, I mean, excuse me, he's not old, but you know, he's not he's gonna be turning 25 over the offseason, and you know, you're getting a little bit closer to that 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 plateau. And so I could see a team like, you know, Kansas City or Buffalo or Miami or Seattle, you know, especially the you know, Seattle, Kansas City, and Buffalo, three teams that are kind of in that window of Super Bowl where you know they desperately could use a running back and they they make that move. Like the Chiefs are notorious for going out and trading draft picks for adding players like this. Um, you know, they do it almost every single year, but, uh, if something like that happens and that would change how I look at, uh, Sa- Saquon Barkley, but for 2022 or for 2021, I was definitely wrong on Saquon, um, on a lot of fronts and mainly just, uh, I overestimated how bad this offense was going to be.
1: Well, you just mentioned the Kansas city chiefs. I also have have a top five running back that I was way off on. And that was one Clyde edwards Lair. and it, it all lined up to me. Like I, I was like having him at five was definitely super hot. I was you know much higher on him than a lot of I think basically everybody. But like it, it all made sense to me. But it just it it never it never worked right. It never happened for him. Even if you look at weeks one through four when he had the the back to back 100 yard games, and it was like okay, they're finally using him. You know, what I mean, giving him the rock a little bit more here we go ends up getting hurt i still think he was like running back 21 but to be fair like the 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 chiefs definitely stumbled out of the gate and they just weren't running the ball a lot uh at the end of the season i think they were fifth or sixth in terms of their uh pass to run ratio you know what i mean and like they they weren't blowing teams out kind of the way that i thought which is you know where i thought some of his some of his value was going to come from obviously just getting those you know those where I thought some of his value was going to come from, just in terms of playing with the lead and you know being in scoring position a lot, it just didn't turn out that way. But he also wasn't used as a pass catching running back either. You know we we see we see Daryl Williams come in and get nine targets in a game, and you know it seems like that's as many as Clyde had all year long. So I, I'm not fully giving up yet obviously unless something you know Barkley comes in I still have him as RB 24 I believe but I I, there's no chance you get him sniffing my my top 12 anytime soon but that was uh that was brutal that 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 definitely did not work out for me
2: well and as you mentioned like it, it was shocking that they did not use him as a pass catcher because uh well um, you know, that was kind of one of his calling cards coming out of college was how good of a yep. pass catcher he was. But uh, he only had 23 targets this year to 57 uh, of Daryl Williams. And, you know, Daryl Williams had a 9% target share to a 6% target share for Clyde edwards and And uh, listen, like I I, I don't actually at this point do not have Clyde edwards in my top 24. And some some people that might be hot. I don't think that it is. I think you could really see the Chiefs kind of move away from Clyde edwards Lair in 2022. I don't think he's like, you know, he's not going to get cut or anything like that, but they are definitely going to be looking for another running back in 2022, whether that's through the draft, whether that is signing somebody uh, to come in. Like those are all things that are definitely in the range of possibility for the Chiefs because they just don't seem to really trust Clyde edwards and, and And especially in pass blocking situations, he has not proven to be a great pass blocker and that has killed him because you know if that's for a team that passes as much as the chiefs does it's really tough to be able to get on the field in those situations if, if you cannot prove to be a good pass blocker and he's also not been able to have been very reliable either in terms of health like every year he's gotten hurt uh that he, that, he, that so far and i i think that you see the chiefs like i said like i really wouldn't be shocked if they went and traded for a saquon barkley um i think that is definitely could be in a range of possibility here um so for me and, and you know Obviously, we have, still have to wait and see what happens, but I think there's a real possibility that they, they, that the Cloud energy Lair is more of the RB2 in 2022. So, um uh, I get it. I think the process was definitely there. The process was sound. I mean, the Chiefs had everything else that we thought they were going to have the top five offensive line, uh, that they had this year. The offensive line was great, uh, especially over the second half of the season when they they gelled and, the in fact, yeah, it did they, take a they, while for them to gel that they completely blew up their offensive line and rebuilt it in one off season to go from where it was at to that. Now is remarkable, but yeah, uh, I mean, I think the process was there, but you know uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out. My other guy is kind of, I kind of struggle with putting him on here as Antonio Gibson, because while I had him at RB five and he finishes RB 14, he really over the second half of the season, mainly once JD McKissick dropped, uh but uh oh you know over from weeks 10 through 17 he did finish as rb8 over that span and a lot of that's correlated with the fact that jd mckissick went down with injury uh you know once he left and once he was gone he started to get much much more involved in the passing game where previous weeks he was you know he was lucky to run you know double digit routes but over the second half of the season you really started to see him run more routes see more targets uh, seven six, two, seven, four, and three targets over that span. Uh, and that really correlated with the big jump in his production. Not that he was terrible over the first half of the season, but uh, you know the, the the added targets really came a long way and really kind of bumped up his floor. And like I said, he still finishes RB14 on the season, uh, RB17 in fantasy points per game. I do think with the fact that JD McKissick likely is gone in 2022, uh, he is a free agent as well. I really can see them really leaning into Antonio Gibson. And this was on an offense that was dreadful last year, uh, with you know Taylor Heineke or uh, you know, uh, the other hodgepods or quarterbacks. If they could find their quarterback in 2022, yeah. this offense could really take off because they have the pieces with Terry McCorn, Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, figure out something at tight end. But overall, I think this offense could be much, much better than what it was. And it's really just kind of needing a quarterback and I think they'll be fine. So uh, I think Antonio Gibson, again, is a guy that I'm locked into for 2022, but at least for this year, it didn't really pan out the way that I wanted it to, uh, you know, but uh, like I said, over the second half of the season, he was not nearly as bad as uh, you know, um, he was a little bit closer to where I had him versus uh, what he started at.
1: Well, definitely. uh the Antonio Gibson RB one tweet as well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that
2: didn't plan that, that I got a little excited, you know. Uh, I got a little excited, and uh, you know, I think that was our bold prediction. So that was one of bold predictions. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to push my chips in, and I'm going to I'm going to say uh, uh, Antonio Gibson the RB one uh, did not work out. It was only about 13 spots off.
1: Yeah. The, the other thing that didn't work out too is all the bullshit. Uh, Press we got from the coaches saying it's going to you know, be the the Christian McCaffrey light sort of sort of role and still ended up being J D McKissick until he went out. But that was that was a thing that if he obviously if he was going to get to R B one he needed those targets and he simply didn't get them until you know the second half of the year and that was didn't really seem that, that was by choice for uh, for the Washington football team. I have uh, one more running back I just want to mention really quickly. And it's funny because during the offseason, you were off of him. And then the more we kept talking about him, you ended up coming on with him. And you should have just stayed off, man. You, you should have just you should have just stuck to your guns and never got on that Mike Davis hype train. I went back and looked. I think I had him at like RB21, which wasn't like which obviously wasn't crazy, but man, uh obviously, you know, Cordell Patterson having the you know what we always look for in our fantasy players and the year nine breakout, which is just, you know, undefeated at this point, but that had a lot to do with it. But even whenever he was getting touches, he didn't look good, which is part of the reason why they kept giving CPAT those touches. So Mike Davis, you know, like I said, should have stuck to your guns, man. That one did not work out. Uh, over on the wide receiver side, another one that definitely didn't work out. Like I said, Clyde edwards was RB5 for me. This wide receiver, I had at five. So maybe next year, whoever I put in at five, everyone just stays away from. But that was Allen Robinson. And again, this, this one is a little different just because it was just such a bad, bad situation. Nagy finally gone. But a Rob, you know, definitely just seemed like he didn't want to be there from the get go. It gets franchise tagged. It's not going to happen again this year. He's not going to sign back in Chicago. So I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's dust. I think it was just a like between the the offense, you know, not really being a, a functional offense outside of David Montgomery and you know Darnell Mooney from on a, on a couple of weeks. But I think he ends up somewhere where he can win, which puts him with a good quarterback. Maybe he's a wide receiver two and not an alpha, but I still think he has some ball left in him. But man, wide receiver five, I drafted him everywhere that I could, especially in the you know early third round. I was all about that A-Rob life. And man, whether it's, <laughs> it doesn't even matter if Justin Fields doesn't get on the field, even if it's Andy Dalton all year, love him, man. Andy Dalton's going to be the best quarterback he's ever played with. And boy, oh boy. Did that not work out? Kev, you have uh, two wide receivers, and I'll finish with my last one. Who do you have at uh, wide receiver that did not work out for you?
2: Well, let's be honest. I, I was right there with you on that. I mean, everybody was right there. I mean, they, everybody got Allen Robinson wrong. Nobody saw this coming. And there are many right. people that were lower on Allen Robinson, but nobody saw this, his 7.3 fantasy points per game, which was 76th. You know, like this – but – Here's the thing. Like, I I think it had more to do with a business decision. I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine once he gets out of Chicago. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be lining up to sign him. So uh, I think better things are coming for Allen Robinson, who just recently turned 28. So he still has some years left in him. So I think Allen Robinson will be fine. and Hopefully he lands in a a great spot. But um, for me, uh, first one is DK Metcalf. I had him at wide receiver six. And look, things were looking fantastic for me in this call to start the season, uh, because for the first eight weeks, he was wide receiver six in PPR formats. However, things took a dramatic turn in the second half of the season. And from weeks 10 on, uh, because he had four wide receiver one weeks in his first eight weeks, and then he had one over the remaining uh, eight weeks of the season. From weeks 10 through 17, he was only wide receiver 24. Uh, It was pretty pretty rough in these streets for uh, D.K. Metcalf. Now, some of that is coincided with, you know, uh, Russell Wilson missed a little time, and even when Russell Wilson came back, he did not look great. But um, overall, like it just didn't work out for me the way that I hoped. Uh, it wasn't a terrible season for him. He still had 12 receiving touchdowns this year, 75 catches for 9- 967 receiving yards. Um But overall, like it just wasn't what you were – especially over the second half of the season. It was really frustrating to trust him. He did still have – he was still eighth in targets – or excuse me, eighth in target share uh, on the season. Uh, he also uh, had 37.2 percent market share of the air yards in the offense. Just the offense looked terrible over the second half of the season. Uh, right. Russell Wilson at times looked disinterested, at, you know, or at least not, not the same. Russell Wilson. This offense should be so much better than what it is. And I don't know at this point. You know, we kind of were starting to get rumors that we thought maybe uh, Russell Wilson was going to leave. I don't know if that's really the case anymore. At least from what Russell Wilson has been saying. Uh, You know, since the season has ended that he really envisions himself staying in Seattle and wants to be here and everything else. And him and Pete Carroll have a great working relationship, which pisses me off because I I want nothing more than to see Pete Carroll fired. Like the guy should be gone a long time ago. But uh, I digress. Um, You know, I was a little bit lower on him. And then the other guy I have is. Uh, the last guy I have is Chris Godwin. Uh, We're just way too low on Chris Godwin. Wide receiver 20. I think the process was there for me on Chris Godwin and why I had him where I had him. Um, But uh, because I felt like that there was going to be too many mouths to feed here in this offense, that he wasn't going to see the same type of opportunity uh, that he normally would. And on... I mean, which turned out to be absolutely not true because he had 128 targets in only 14 games. Uh, likely would have surpassed, probably somewhere around 15, to 150 targets had that not happened. Clearly, it was Tom Brady's favorite target. 98 catches for 1,100 yards and five touchdowns on the season. Seventh of fantasy points per game, but. Uh, he just saw a ridiculous amount of targets and uh, especially for somebody that's tethered to Tom Brady. Um, it just didn't, uh, you know, obviously I was a little bit off on that. So, uh, you know, those would be the two guys that I was kind of uh, that I kind of missed, whether I was either too low on or too high on uh, for the wide receiver position. But uh, yeah, those would be the two guys I have.
1: Yeah. Last one for me that I was too low on. I And I knew I pushed him down a little bit, but I didn't realize I pushed him down this far until, uh, I went and, you know, open up the old history books and hashtag review the tape, but Justin Jefferson, man, I had him at wide receiver 14 and, uh, <laughs> that did not work out with the way that I looked at though. I, I remember, I thought that this defense was going to bounce back. It was going to be in a much better position that, you know, that, the, uh, that, that, Kirk Cousins is only throwing when he's forced to throw. So I thought it was going to be a, a much better team overall. That was not the case. I thought that there, you know the, the 1,400 yards like that could potentially be the best season that he has in his career. That was wrong too. Dude ended up he had 125 targets in his rookie season. This is obviously through the entirety of the year. 167. Year two had 20 more catches, 200 more yards, three more touchdowns. So I was just way, way too low on Justin Jefferson. I I guess I was baking in my hatred of Mike Zimmer and just thinking that, you know, with all the free agent moves they made to to really shore up that defense, there's just going to be, you know, another 300 carry season for Dalvin Cook and he still got his, but boy, was I wrong on on the the upside for Justin Jefferson. And I was definitely wrong about that defense because that defense was absolutely doo-doo butter for the majority of the season, if not the entire season.
2: Well, ding-dong, Mike Zimmer is dead. We don't have to worry about yes. that anymore. Mike Zimmer is fired. Mike Zimmer is an excellent, excellent defensive coordinator, but he is not a good head coach. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure he'll latch on with somebody else, be somebody's defensive coordinator. But as terms of being a head coach, he's not been great. So... Um, yes, absolutely love that. And I, I was lower on Justin Jefferson. I wasn't that low. I think I had him at like wide receiver nine. Um, obviously I was still too low compared to consensus, but <clears throat> you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, the one thing I will say about, at least with this is I think it's good to go back and at least review your process or kind of review of where you, why you were on who you were on and, uh, you know, or lower on. Than, than um than you should be because one uh none of us uh i don't care who you are are going to get everything right but i think it's good just to review your process and kind of see where you know where your your gaps were in that and i think it just helps you uh do a better job of kind of looking at this stuff moving forward too so uh that's something i try to take away you know maybe we'll talk about that after you know uh some takeaways for 2022 i'm sure we'll talk about that later but um Try to always take away something uh, that that you learned from the previous year. Or so, anyways, let's jump over to the what we got right. Let's and it. It, it it wouldn't be a show unless you just wax poetically about one Austin Eckler.
1: It would not be right, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Had him as RB four going into the season, he finished as RB two. Even better, even better than what I imagined. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, I was the only one talking about Austin Eckler, but there were definitely like two camps, right? Like there was the, you know, Austin Eckler top five upside and then Austin Eckler, like back end RB one-ish kind of area. Like there were the people like me who were just screaming from the hilltops. And then there there was a lot of other people just like, ah, well, he's, he's okay. But like, you're, you're crazy for thinking that ended up doing better than where, like I said, where I had him and he was RB two in all formats. Standard half, full PPR, however you want to play, however you want to slice it. Now, a lot of that is on the back of the 18 touchdowns he had from weeks 1 to 17, which I absolutely did not see coming. I did not think that was going to be the case. And obviously going into next year, absolutely not something that we can count on or even try to. I, if, if he would have had 10 touchdowns this year, like I would have considered that a, a really good year for him. We are still going to be super high on Eckler going into next year. And a way I think he can offset that as well is with his receptions. I thought this dude had you know 100 catch upside, and I still feel that way about him. But he was only third among running backs in receptions from weeks 1 to 17, had fewer than 70, uh, also had fewer than 200 carries through week 17 as well. So we're still going to be high on him. But, man, it was so good to see him just absolutely ball out this year. And especially from where he was getting his touchdowns too, because a lot of the a lot of the common narrative that was surrounding him was the fact like he'll never be a goal line back. He's not going to score on the goal line. They're not going to use him in short yardage situation. And I think he had seven, eight, nine touchdowns from from inside the ten. I know he had a boatload of red zone uh, touches as well. So even though the the touchdowns are going to drop next year. His usage was very, very encouraging. Like I said, especially in terms of where he was getting those touches. I don't see that changing next year, and we should see him, you know, potentially end up getting more involved as a pass catcher, more uh, carries as well. Like I said, uh, I think he was sitting at one ninety through week seventeen, so still going to be all aboard that Austin Eckler train. But man, that was a uh, that was very, very nice to see that pan out, especially when I moved him above. Clyde Edwards elair who was who I was also pumping up all offseason.
2: Yeah, I mean Austin Eckler had a great year. I mean he was second in red zone touches, uh, seventh in goal line carries on the year, which is not something I think a lot of people factored in when it comes to, uh, you know, projecting Austin Eckler for twenty twenty one. He was first in targets with ninety four. Um, which is obviously a uh, great 15.1% target share, which is fourth among all running backs. But, uh, the, yeah, I mean, I, you're absolutely right that the, the touchdown number was, uh, you know, ridiculous. Uh, getting 20 total touchdowns on the entire year. He was also third yards created and 12th in yards created per touch. So it was just a great year for Austin Eckler. And, you know, you nailed that one out of the park. Um, for me, some of my hits, uh, Najee Harris. I was super high on Najee Harris all offseason. And, you know, I had people telling me in some of the, the YouTube videos we did, like the player profiles that we did, that I was crazy for having Najee Harris as high as I uh, did, and that, you know, that I would take him, you know, as high as I would. And there's no way he's a rookie. He's not going to work out, blah, 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 blah. Well, obviously we know that it really worked out for him because he absolutely, uh, you know, Pretty much did everything we thought, right? We, we thought that he was going to be able to have this massive workload, which he did. Uh, 84.5% snap share, 86.4% opportunity share, which is first uh, among all running backs. He was second in carries, first in targets, tied with Austin Eckler uh, for that. Um, 17.7 fantasy points per game, only 10 total touchdowns, so that is an area he could improve upon. 74 receptions, also first among all running backs, uh, 1,200 rushing yards, but I think where he could actually improve in, in 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 2022 is uh you know a better offense, right? Uh, this offense was very stagnant at times. Big Ben and his noodle arm, uh, really, uh, really yeah. short checkdowns. Uh, you know, really kind of especially over the second half of the season hurt him a little bit. Where he only had what from weeks 12 through 17, he only had three touchdowns over that span. But still, uh, we saw a little bit of a drop off in the targets as well. But overall, like uh, he's still going to be the guy. As long as Mike Tomlin there, he is going to be the lead back of this offense. Hopefully, they don't do what the reports have already been saying and that they're going to lean on mason rudolph as the starting quarterback Mm -hmm. in 2022 because that sounds absolutely disgusting (laughs) because we've seen this show before mason rudolph and it does not work out well so uh as long as that's not the case then i think that uh we could be seeing some big things from Najee harris again in 2022 because he's gonna have to right he's an older prospect he turns 24 over the offseason which is old uh you know uh, i shouldn't say old but that's obviously uh Like I think Saquon's only, like, nine months older than he is. Um,
1: Yeah, you said he was going to turn 25, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. And uh, Najee turns 24 in a couple of months. Um, And and so it's just, I mean, he's an older prospect, so they're going to have to get the most out of him they possibly can. And then, you know, coupling on the fact that they gave him 300 uh, carries and then 70, I mean, he had almost 400 total touches this year uh you know that's a lot for any rookie but you know we'll see i think things are still uh you know looking good for him in 2022 uh, a couple other guys really quickly that i that i was higher on damian harris he was somebody that i talked about a lot as a sleeper option uh and you know he finished uh, i had him at rb24 and you know he he finished he, he had a pretty decent season you know a lot of this came from touchdowns he had 15 total touchdowns i did not see that high of a number i thought possibly he could get to you know eight to ten touchdowns something like that but 15 touchdowns really uh lifted him up he was not great in terms of the targets which is why was my problem with him and if he's somebody that's got to go like in 2022 is like a fourth or fifth round pick, I'll be out on that with Damian Harris because he just doesn't have the passing volume. Again, he only had uh, 20 targets all of uh, you know all, all of this past year, four and a half percent target share. James White should be could possibly be back. Uh, Ramondre Stevens is likely going to have a bigger role, but uh, overall, still for this year, Damian Harris still really worked out. Uh, finishes RB 14 uh, on the year for Damian Harris. And then last but not least is James Conner. He was a guy we really started to hit on, uh, especially you know later in the process yeah. in August and everything else. that we really were hyping up and saying that James Conner was a better value than Chase Edmonds because Chase Edmonds was going in like the fifth round. Yep. And James Conner was going in like the eighth or ninth round. And it just didn't make any sense. I mean, we were looking at Kenyon Drake, you know, in the – yeah, you know, the year prior who was going in the second round that got drafted by the, and when he got, uh when he got signed by the Cardinals and everybody hyped up or excuse me, I guess when he got traded to the Cardinals and when he got hyped up and everybody had him as like, you know, a top 12 running back and then James Conner gets signed and nobody wanted anything to do with James Conner. And it really didn't make any sense. And, I mean, obviously, you know, no one could have predicted the 18 touchdowns that he had, but still, uh, you know, very viable asset, 45 red zone touches, 14 goal line carries. You know, he pretty much took on the Kenyon Drake role, had a little bit of uh, pass game involvement, not much, with only 39 targets. But, you know, that was because Chase Edmonds did a lot of the pass catching work. But, I mean, Ch- James Conner was one of the best, if not the best value that you could think of in terms of later round guys that, I mean, he finished RB7, uh, on the season uh so uh james connor was a smash uh play for people that that, that drafted him late anybody that maybe ran a zero rb or whatever james Conner turned out to be absolute gold this year so uh he was another guy that i was really high on let's jump over to the wide receivers where uh you know this this wide receiver i was actually probably lower on i well not actually i was lower on than you and that that is somebody who was very polarizing over the off, or over the preseason because of all the drops, reports out of training camp. Oh man, this guy you know can't catch the football. He's got the yips, all this other bullshit. And well, you had Jamar Chase at wide receiver twenty four when it wasn't cool. I had him at thirty six, obviously much lower than what he finished. But Jamar Chase is uh, one that I think that you actually uh, nailed.
1: Yeah, and the crazy thing is like having him at twenty four, like. It's like, oh, he was that low? Because, you know, I mean, obviously the the recency bias. But, yeah, like you said, it, it all started com- crashing down. And there was also that, like, Instagram post with, like, baby mama drama, or like if I'm remembering correctly. And I, I went and looked because I uh, saw this and I was like, well, where did he actually end up getting drafted? And uh, Fantasy Pros had him as wide receiver 29 off the board. So I was still a little bit higher. I still just believed in the – Still still believed in the talent. The dude just absolutely crush it at LSU alongside Justin Jefferson, who you know, who we talked about, um, and, and going out and getting Jamar Chase over what a lot of people thought was a mistake instead of taking Panay well I I just went along, you know, a little bit of a narrative with that, too, in, in terms of you know, already has a relationship and the rapport with Burrow. Obviously, offensive line was just such a glaring, glaring need, and that's still. Uh, rang true this year as well jo- Joe Burrow taking the most sacks Across any NFL quarterback I think he was the only one that had more than 50 As well But it was just a, a lot of those things That just made me think that like Okay, this dude's still going to put it together And like the drop things was just so, so crazy And just how like a lot of people Just ran with that It was like, nope, oh my god And there was the quote about <laughs> There was the quote about like because the ball doesn't have the the stripe, he was having some issues with it. And it's like a bigger ball or something. So everyone's like, oh my God, that's it. He's done since he, you know, they're going to be the Bengals again, blah, 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 blah. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I I, I stuck true to it. And, you know, now at wide receiver 24, that seems way too low, but uh, that was, uh, that was something I'm glad ended up working out for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I ended up, you know, Obviously he he's he's an absolute stud. Uh, we thought that heading into it, and I think you know I think this was like a good case in point of blocking out the bullshit of the offs of preseason and everything. It's not getting hyped up too caught up in the hype one way or the other. Because I mean, he immediately pretty much came right onto the scene and just wrecked shop uh, and really did it for that most of the season. And just I mean, the guy's going to be an absolute stud for many years to come. So uh, and it, it, yeah. it
1: would have been different too if like we saw him struggle with drops in college. Right. Like if that was something that was on his LSU tape, it was like, oh, man, he just he can't get it done. And then you had people coming out and talking about, like, oh, he can't separate. Look, all of his catches are, you know, contested catches and he can't separate. And it was just, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was wild to see. And now he's going to end up being what a top five, top six, seven pick next year, in terms of where he's going to be ranked in, you know, among wide receivers. So love to see it. Who, uh, who, who do you got? Who do you want to talk about first here on a wide receiver you got, right?
2: Well, f- well. I, first, I want to We're going to hit on Cooper Cup, right? Like we were both higher than consensus. I actually thought I was higher on Cooper Cup than so I. Uh, <laughs> so I. because I, I, mean, I did an entire video uh, dedicated to Cooper Cup and why I thought he was a absolute smash play <clears throat> in twenty twenty two, and that people were undervaluing him. Robert Woods being uh, drafted ahead of him by almost a full round, and in most yeah. cases, and I just felt like people were sleeping on Cooper Cup and. Um, you know, I actually thought that I was uh, higher on him than you, um, but uh, that was not the case. You actually had him at wide receiver 10. I had him at wide receiver 12, but we were still way ahead of consensus in in terms of where we had him. But, you know, to be honest with you, I I don't think anybody could have no envisioned the year that he ended up having. I mean, he didn't just have a great year. He had an absolute elite year. I mean, uh, a legendary. Almost historic. That, yes. In terms of fantasy production, it's almost 26 fantasy points per game. That's up there with like Christian McCaffrey level of production, right? Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, guys we compare to as being one of the best values, you know, I mean, it wasn't as good. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, you know, 2019, 29.3 uh, fantasy points. But, uh, you know, he had a few years ago. But still, 25.9, almost 26 for any, any wide receiver is fantastic. 145 receptions, 1947 receiving yards, and 16 total touchdowns this year for him on 191 targets uh is absolutely ridiculous and so i mean he absolutely smashed and like i said me and you both were well well ahead of consensus on where he was going for a lot of people i've seen i mean i remember a lot of people had him like wide in the wide receiver 20s which i thought was just ridiculous and uh, he even smashed where we had him so uh, i definitely think we were both higher on him uh and then from there um and, again, another guy that I thought that I was higher on than you, but looking back at the rankings, you were actually higher on than me, and that was Michael Pittman. Because Michael Pittman was one of my guys all offseason that I would wax poetically about. Somebody that I absolutely loved. felt like he was being underdrafted. And you had him at wide receiver 25 in our last rankings that we did. So, uh, you know, you almost nailed where he finished. I think he was somewhere right around wide receiver 20, I believe, is where he ended up finishing. But, yeah, I mean, you were well higher than him. Uh think consensus as well
1: yeah just uh just pulled it up real quick wide receiver 21 in both half ppr and full ppr it just it just made too much sense you know i mean there was nobody else there you know we both love paris campbell but couldn't stay healthy didn't stay healthy this year ty hilton again he's kind of you know he's definitely on the the back nine of his career coming up you know potentially hole 18 here uh to throw out the to continue with the golf analogies but yeah, man, it, it just, it just made too much sense. You know, that obviously defenses are going to be keying, uh, keying in on Jonathan Taylor and that didn't matter there, but he was very clearly going to be the number one target. And if, you know, I know we just talked about like tuning out some of the off season narratives and stuff, but one of the things you continually saw every single day that the the training camp reports were coming out, which is how good Michael Pittman looked and what he was doing, especially in red zone drills and things of that nature. So uh, having him at you know twenty five, like you said, was you know right after um, Jamar Chase. That was uh, that that one just seemed to me like that like I would have been very surprised if he would have been like much worse than that. And the crazy thing with Pittman was you were getting him what nine, eight, ninth, tenth round at that time too. So he was just such a crazy value at that point. Just made so much sense to snag him wherever you could. Um the last one I'll just throw out here really quickly Chase Claypool. I did not have him in my top 3 uh in my top 36 wide receivers whenever we did that show. The the way that I looked at it was you know with um I didn't think it was going to end up being to this extent he finishes wide receiver 41 in PPR scoring from weeks 1 to 17 but Ben just couldn't get the ball to him and you know we we saw that time and time again Chase Claypool going down the sideline Ben throwing it short Claypool having to jump up in the air he comes down looks like he dislocates dislocates a shoulder every single time he would he would get a target but you know it got got written off a lot that I was just being a hater that I was just a, a Steeler hater and a you know a pessimistic homer and that that was the big problem that I had with him right then you add in Najee coming in you know Deontay Johnson still got his, and I know you're going to talk about him here in a second. Deontay still got his on top of Najee Harris getting almost 400 touches as a rookie, but I just didn't see it happening with uh, with Claypool, and I'm glad he was someone that I I faded. But who are the the last two that you have here?
2: You know, it's actually crazy with uh, Chase Claypool that he only has two wide receiver one seasons, two or two two, two wide receiver one weeks. In his, in his two-year career that he's played. Two weeks, he's been, he's, he's posted wide receiver one numbers in, in a week. Which is crazy, right? From with year, too? You could, yeah, even if you go into last year. I mean, it, it was crazy to think that he had nine touchdowns last year, but he only had one wide receiver one week all of last year, uh, which was and wide receiver uh, week five where he went off for fucking
1: 42.6. Didn't he have like two rushing touchdowns in that game or something, too? Like I, I think I think a couple of those touchdowns were rushing touchdowns.
2: Uh, I believe that was uh, I can't remember exactly, but yes, uh, he had three touchdowns, seven catches, one hundred ten yards, and three touchdowns in that game. But yeah, so I mean, the thing is that that big this is the offense that he's been in the last two years isn't great for Chase Claypool because it really they're, they're not able to maximize what Chase Claypool really does best, no. and that's the contested catches, deep uh, deep ball, which that big Ben doesn't have that ability anymore. Um, no. to be able to hit, you know, wide receivers deep. And so he has been much more of the short intermediate routes. Uh, that's why we've seen Deontay Johnson just absolutely cook, which actually leads me into my guy that I was higher on the consistent. I actually was surprised. I figured I had – I, I felt like I should have had him higher, but I had him at wide receiver 15. But Deontay Johnson is absolutely um, – You know, uh, had a great year this year, Uh, finished as a top eight wide receiver, Uh, you know, ended up with 169 targets, uh, which was second among all wide receivers, a 28.5% target share, which is fourth, Uh, you know, uh, 107 receiving or 107 receptions, 1100. 1100 receiving yards and eight touchdowns 17.2 fantasy points per game he has actually gotten better each of the past three seasons uh 9.8 fantasy points per game in 2019 14.8 in 2020 and then 17.2 this past year in 2021 we did see a little bit more with the drops and stuff like that over the second half of the season but he overall he got that really uh cleaned up and it's funny because actually deontay johnson uh uh, says that he has a lot of confidence in Mason Rudolph as the starter in 2022, which uh, makes me want to puke. Um, but regardless, <laughs> Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, top eight wide receiver this year, uh, you know, saw all the targets and, you know, so, we'll, you know, we'll see on him for, for moving forward, but absolutely love Deontay Johnson. Now, the other guy. I have, to you know, I went back and forth about putting him on the list, uh, but I was much high. I was higher on him than consensus, and that is Debo Samuel. I had him at wide receiver thirty. Most people had him outside their top thirty-six. It was all about Brandon Ayuk, and nobody was high gotcha. on Debo Samuel, uh, mainly because of the injuries that he suffered in his career. You know, the year before in two thousand twenty, he only played in seven games, um, but. This year, he absolutely went off, finishes the wide receiver three, averaged 21.2 fantasy points per game. Uh, did so on only 120 targets, but he was heavily involved as a, a as a runner as well. They kind of have, you know, unlocked him as kind of being the jack of all trades, something we saw in the years past, but really uh, leaned into it this year. Finished with 14 touchdowns, 1,400 receiving yards, uh, second yards after the catch as well on 77 receptions. He just absolutely smashed this year. Uh, Debo Samuel did. I'm not going to sit here and say that I had him, you know, extremely high, but still, wide receiver 30 was still well above consensus for a lot of people. And uh, there's still no way I would have saw uh, the, the type of season that he had this year uh, with his 14 total touchdowns um, in 2020 uh, 2021. So, absolutely love Debo. He is still only 26 years old, still a bright future ahead of him. And you know, especially with the way that they utilize him as both a runner and a uh, wide receiver, I think that bodes well for him moving forward as well. So, absolutely love Debo Samuel, and I think that was another guy that I uh, that I hit on uh, in 2021.
1: Do you think he gets overdrafted the same way that Cooper Cup's going to get overdrafted next year?
2: Yes, uh, that's going to be that. So that that that's that, that's something that I think most fantasy gamers need to learn, and that is don't pay for last year's results. Uh, we're gonna see this a lot. Uh, a lot of these players that outperformed most expectations are going to see a uh, a bump in ADP. Like Cooper Cup is going to be a top three wide receiver next year drafted, and I think it's going to end up being too high um, for me. And I get it that you know nothing's really changing here. You know, Robert Woods is another year older. Who knows if he's even back? I mean, Cooper Cup will be entering his age 29 season, but that's still not too crazy for him. And I I just think he's going to end up being overdrafted. And I think there's other wide receivers that I will end up wanting over him. And listen, there's got to be regression. He's not going to have 1900 yards and 16-receiving touchdowns again, (laughs) okay? And so if he does uh, uh, regress and he goes back to, let's say it's even 12 touchdowns for 1,300 yards, great season. But I, I don't know if that if that's going to be worthy of where he's going to be drafted. So that's going to be my problem with him. And I think Debo Samuel is likely going to be the same thing. Um, and so, not that I hate these players, uh, I just hate their ADPs. And so, if they end up being over drafted, uh, I'm going to have a problem with that. So, uh, well, that's going to be one thing I'm interested to see, kind of where some of these guys start going off the board in 2022
1: if Robert Woods is released post June 1st and there's there's a whole breakdown if you guys aren't familiar with uh, the site uh, spotrack.com is a is a really nice resource for all kind of for all kind of contract stuff and there's different timelines you know when they're released and traded and how that affects the cap and dead cap and all that but if he is released post June 1st the Rams will save 10 million against the cap and if he's traded Post June first, it'll be thirteen and a half million dollars that they save uh, against the cap, and obviously with the amount of money that the Rams have been putting into that team and the, all the you know trades that they have done with with all their uh, draft picks and all that sort of thing, to be able to get to this point to go all in to try and win a Super Bowl might be something they they look at because he's going to be turning thirty before the season starts, and you know not not that uh, an, an ACL injury is going to be his demise, but like I said, with, with the age and the contract and everything, because he is actually, he's under contract with the Rams until 2025 as things currently stand until his age 33 season.
2: Things that are just not going to happen is him under contract (laughs) until then. And I I think there's a better shot that they want to bring back Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham seems to like it there in LA. Like I, I I would, I think there's a really good shot because Odell Beckham was a free agent that Odell returns yeah, and, uh, I think they, you know, maybe you just cut Robert Woods and bring back Odell and, you know, uh, Van Jefferson, you know, really had a nice, you know, breakout type year. And I think you'd be pretty happy with that wide receiver room, which, you know, um, it's funny because, you know, some of the rookies this year and people will just forget that Tutu Atwell and <laughs> and uh, yep. D. Eskridge, uh, Dwayne Eskridge were both, you know, second round picks. And neither one of them did a damn thing. At least Wade Eschrich like got some playing time. Tutu Atwell, uh, I don't even remember ever hearing his name this year. You know, so either way, I mean, but, but neither neither one of these wide receivers did absolutely nothing. You know, but yeah, I, I just think that there's probably a better off uh, moving on from uh, some of these guys. Uh, you know, in 2022, and you have Odell. Like I said, that I think is a better fit for them, and something they should really be looking to bring back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and put a bow on this podcast episode. Let's finish off with some 21 2021 takeaways for 2022. I'll kick this off. I I have one main one that's really stuck with me. It's not on a player or anything like that. Blind bidding in waiver uh waiver wires. First of all, that's the way it should be done. I if if you're you should not be penalized for having the best record. And now you're sitting down with, you know, the, the last waiver priority, but mine comes in on the, on the heels of not saving my blind bid and just thinking there's going to be some better options down the road. I I did that in all of my leagues. I did it in the Scott fishbowl. I did it in the TFA Listener League, where it was like, oh well, I'm not going to go all in on that guy. Uh, who knows what his role is going to be? I, I, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting at the end of the season with you know a boatload of blind bid money, and then nothing ends up happening because you know have someone you didn't talk about. Uh, not that it was a preseason call of yours, but you know calling Rashad Penny a league winner before it was cool to call Rashad Penny a league winner. Like there really weren't those kind of guys that you know popped up that you know could have saved someone's season necessarily. You know, what I mean, he was just sitting on a, a pile of blind bid money. And then uh, a Monro Saint Brown. I guess I didn't talk about him either as a as a call that you know I, I guess I got right, even though it didn't turn out until the end of the year. But yeah, just just not sitting on my blind bid money and going being more aggressive with it earlier on in the year because there, there's no telling that you know by the time you get to week eight, nine, that you're going to be in the running for a playoff position anyway. So that's something I'm going to be, you know, really taking with me into 2022, just being more aggressive with my, uh, with my blind bid money.
2: I think something for me, that's more of just kind of like a, more of a process type thing for me is trying to look at the other, like the, and the, you know, when you're trying to like, for example, looking at some players that maybe, you know, I talked about uh, like Damian Harris, for example, uh, you know, something that like I, I did not think that he had any opportunity as a pass catcher. Right. But we could I could say the same thing about Derek Henry who I was also really low on or lower than consistent because of the fact that I didn't think that he had any shot of, of, of really being a pass catcher. Well, that obviously turned out like for somebody like Derek Henry turned out to be wrong. Right. And you brought up Austin Eckler about, you know, a lot of people saying that he has no shot at being, You know, at at somebody that's going to get goal line work because he never really got goal line work. And I think, you know, trying to like, you know, look at that. Okay, well, what if they do scenario? Right. And and factoring some of that in because like somebody like Derrick Henry, that was a new situation. That was a new office of coordinator. And so we had no idea what what they were going to do with them, you know, without, uh, you know, the office coordinator, you know, heading to Atlanta, uh, you know, as the head coach. We really had no idea. And the same thing with Austin Eckler you know, we just assumed that things were going to, we just assumed that things were going to stay the same, right? <clears throat> and that, uh, you know, things were going to you know, be uh, business as usual, but that was, that's where we got it wrong. And like, you know, assuming that, hey, w- what about the what if, or what, what if, they, they, you know, Austin Eckler does get goal line work? What if Derrick Henry does get pass catching work? You know, how, how does that, you know, we should be factoring some of those things in. And, you know, um, I, I did not, and that's why, I was lower on Derrick Henry in 2022 or 2021. And, you know, I think that is somewhere that, you know, led you to have Austin Eckler higher than consensus because, you know, I think, I think that's a smart uh, process uh, to look at and understand, you know, Derrick Henry. Uh, I still laugh when people talk about him because they, they, they are, uh, you know, mystified that, you know, he still had almost a thousand yards and all this stuff. It was, it took all year for a lot of these guys to pass him. And I'm like, well, he's still he had a absolute uh, monster workload the dude yeah. averaged 27 carries per game in in 8 games 27 carries per game that's not even factoring in his pass catching work which was he was averaging 30 touches per game in 8 oh, games like that's so ridiculous and it's not that he wasn't productive with them because he certainly was uh but, you know, I think Derek Henry is going to be another interesting topic to talk about this year because he's going to be, you know, you know, somebody that's getting closer to his age 29 season. But, you know, that's another conversation for another day. But, you know, I think for me anyways, that's just kind of, you know, some stuff that, you know, I need to do a better job of kind of like looking at the other side of the equation. And, you know, you know, we don't always obviously always have all the answers.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Speaking of doing a better job, if you guys have any feedback for us, any kind of constructive criticism, please let us have it. Uh, if you're on the podcast channel right now, please leave us a rate and review. Like I said, we're definitely going to be doing more of these throughout the off season. Still going to be putting out a bunch of content on YouTube as well, especially the player profiles and things of that nature. Got a lot of dynasty draft dfs content still coming for you we appreciate all you guys you can find us on twitter at ff underscore authority you can also join the discord that is absolutely free and we'll be continuing to be active throughout the entire off season appreciate you all and we'll talk to you all
0: soon turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl closing time One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know!